Listener Production. I acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and pay my respects to their ancestors. I acknowledge that the First Nations across the continent have never ceded sovereignty and that the First Nations are the first lawmakers. Welcome to another episode of Black Matters, a podcast that's about First Nations matters and why they matter. My name is MC from the Hit Radio Network. Joining me always, First Nations advocate and buddy of over 20 years, Teela Reid. Welcome back. Yay, here we are. And if this is your first time joining us on Black Matters and you're wondering who we are and why we spell black, B-L-A-K, go back, listen to the podcast trailer, Who We Are and Why Black Matters. Now, NAIDOC week has come and gone for another year, and I think it's a good chance to stop, reflect on what these events actually mean for First Nations peoples. So, I mean, how are you feeling? Like, happy. Happy, exhausted. You can have both of those feelings in one. I am so stoked, though, that the theme of NAIDOC was for our elders. I do not think you can get any better than that. What a treasure our elders are to not just First Nations communities, but to this whole country and to the globe. First Nations elders are remarkable. Two elders I want to give a shout out to. Uh, firstly, to Nan Millie Ingram, uh, Wiradjuri elder that joined us on the last episode of the podcast. She was just a delight. For someone that has lived quite a life, has been through so many struggles, just so loving and hopeful and generous. Isn't that amazing? So Like to have what they have endured mm-hmm. in their lives and to still show up yep. every day with love and good intentions. Yeah. The other elder I want to give a shout out to on this week's podcast is an elder that's close to this podcast because she was featured on the front page of the local paper where we're from. Burr, 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 burr. Go on. Yes, Who am I talking about? Yes, my nan. Um, <laughs> to me, she is the matriarch of all matriarchs. Mm-hmm. She made the front cover, and on the front cover of the local paper yeah. was that she is the oldest Aboriginal elder in our hometown. How yeah. special. How special. Elders linking the past through the future and everything in between. Obviously, NAIDOC week, and I feel I, I feel like it's getting bigger and bigger as each year passes, but I'm sure for a lot of First Nations people, it's probably exhausting because, you know, boots are on the ground for the entire week. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that during NAIDOC week, you probably get asked to do extras outside of what you would do in a normal week. Yeah, You know, there's always extra demands, whether that is NAIDOC week or Reconciliation Week in particular. And I think we need to remember that it's just not those specific weeks we ought to be celebrating the First Nations of this continent. We should be doing it every single week. And while it's really great that there are more and more opportunities, like you say, there's more and more celebrations happening, I got to see in so many elders' eyes just the real pride as well that theme of NAIDOC for 2023 was for them. Just kind of being in different communities in different spaces, I thought, how incredible because often, especially like around social media, what you'll find is that there are the most popular voices get traction or the most controversial opinions go viral And they're often not those people with authority in our community. Now that NAIDOC week is done, are you knackered? Are you exhausted? 
I'm so wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. Because you would be pulled in so many different directions during weeks were like you, this. Were, and well, you saw like. my bit of a scattered mess. How do you how do how do you feel seeing so? We've had lots of First Nations guests in here as well. Mate, this is you um, on the reg. I don't know what you're talking about. You're scattered <laughs> at the best of times. Because I would look. I I would imagine that when these weeks roll around in many workplaces, big, small business, business owners would go, oh, shit, 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 it's NAIDOC week coming up. We want to either A, do the right thing or be seen to be doing the right thing. Okay, okay, who have we got here? Who's on the payroll that's a a First Nations employee? Let's make sure they're front and centre. Let's make sure they're doing everything so we can tick that box and we can do NAIDOC week right. I'm guessing this is something, and you you would clearly have many... First Nations mates, obviously, um, in all facets of the community in many workplaces. I'm assuming this is what happens most years during these times. They're the ones that are put up in front and get given all this work that they've got to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to be that person to speak on behalf of all the issues. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think what happens when there are these added layers of expectation on the jobs that we're already doing is it comes at such a personal cost because you're not only holding down your actual job, mm-hmm. you're trying to meet the expectations of feeling that cultural load. Now, cultural load in the context of the workplace, it's the invisible workload employers knowingly or even unknowingly place on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander employees to provide Indigenous knowledge, education and support. But this is often done without any formally agreed reduction or alteration to their workload. There are plenty of First Nations workers in businesses that during NAIDOC week, all the extra stuff happens and they get asked and they probably feel like they have to say yes, because if they don't step up and do whatever it is that's being required, then it's not going to happen. If they don't, NAIDOC week gets skipped over and no one's having these conversations. Totally. Or there might be the risk that if they don't do it, whoever that might be, then someone else with less authority than them and less power in that space might come in and take that opportunity. And so I think these are real conversations around which we're constantly, as First Nations peoples, balancing our cultural obligations against the the cultural load of what now the colony is demanding of us. I'm very conscious of navigating those two different things. But certainly off the back of this NAIDOC week, I don't know whether this year's theme just struck a chord with more people than than past themes. It's good to see businesses getting behind NAIDOC week and Reconciliation Week. And I suppose the key takeaway is if you're doing it authentically and you're doing it with your First Nations employees, um, thoughts, feelings, objectives in mind, not just telling them this is how you, we're going to do it and just pushing them front and centre and making them deal with this cultural load, it's going to be a good thing moving forward. And being conscious of what they are experiencing, even if they might not say it verbally. Mm-hmm. UTS just did a study, it's called Gariala, which is in Wiradjuri language, it means speak the truth. And they surveyed a thousand Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander workers. And 28% said that they felt culturally unsafe in workplaces. That's a good third. What might that actually mean? Because it's obviously not something that I have experienced, so I don't even know what that looks like. 
What, what could that mean you're in a culturally unsafe workplace? Is that racist sniggers at the water cooler at lunchtime or... Could be. It could be, you know, working with that colleague who likes to make the jokes but they're actually racism and everyone else thinks it's funny and mm. then, like, First Nations person doesn't think it's funny. I mean, some of these statistics are pretty revealing. 44% reported hearing racial slurs sometimes or often all the time. 44%. It's a lot. I think this comes to also practicing a deep listening within spaces. It's like as First Nations peoples, we might not always be communicating in the same way non-Indigenous Australians are about our discomfort or how heavy the cultural load feels at a particular time. It takes non-Indigenous Australians to really work on themselves to be able to safely engage in these conversations and notice the signs. 44% reported hearing racial slurs. That's seriously... Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Is what it is. Even though it's it's been a wonderful NAIDOC week, you know, you read stats like that. Yeah. And even though, you know, there are weeks dedicated to our First Nations people and celebrating their culture, there is still a long way to go. Yeah, and I think that's really revealing. That, and that's a pretty, like, recent study yeah. as well. three years ago. Whew, a long way to go. Now, you might be listening, thinking, even if businesses, small, large, giant companies in this country are, are doing their bit now to acknowledge NAIDOC Week and Reconciliation Week, in spite of what this may mean for their First Nations employees, is there still a net positive, even if it's just to appear good. And I'm look, I'm certain that there are many businesses in this country that genuinely believe what they're doing and, you know, are invested in what NAIDOC Week and Reconciliation Week stands for. It's not everyone, but I'm sure there are also businesses that do it because it's a good look. Is that still a net positive? Because in some form it's being discussed? Well, I think there's the difference between it being tokenistic and meaningful in particularly workspaces. If your organisation is just doing it and to tick the box that one week for NAIDOC throughout the entire year, and that's all you do, then that's not a meaningful engagement with First Nations communities. I think that there absolutely is positives that come out of this week of celebration, but we should be celebrating these things every day. We live and work on First Nations lands and waters, and I absolutely do love that we we have NAIDOC Week. I think we just need to be better at navigating it and celebrating it every day, I making was, it part of core business. I was walking through, there's a, there's a big shopping centre up the road from where we record this podcast every single week. And so they have got on the floor of the shopping centre this huge installation and it's big photos of elders. Oh, and wow. there's like a QR code and it's like, this is Nan, this is Uncle, and it's um, scan the QR code to read their story. So what you're saying is that's great, yeah. but why isn't there something there at other points of the year? Yeah, like why isn't the visibility of our old people, particularly our elders, front and centre of our nation's story and what we do celebrate every single day? I think it's fantastic that had the QR code to particular elders and their stories. But making sure that we centre their voices in what we do and not just making it be like a footnote to our core business, I think, is really key. 
So if you're, if you are the First Nations employee in your workplace and your boss came to you a week ago and said, righto, NAIDOC week's next week, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And you're like, oh, okay, I've got to do it because if I don't, it's not going to happen. And NAIDOC week's now gone. You're feeling a little flat, a little tired. What could you do as the employee so that things next year are different? I just think, but it's not always easy for people. You know, if you think about First Nations being active participants in the economy, mm. In so many ways, this is still a new generational thing, given that we have elders in our community like Nan Millie yeah. and many other nuns and grandparents who were not actually given access to the economy. Yeah. The opportunities that we have now, the feeling of when you step into a workspace and going, all right, I might only be the second or first generation with the chance to engage in the workforce, that comes with a particular kind of tension, I think, especially when you're dealing with additional issues like racism and you do start to try and disrupt those systems that have always existed. Yeah, it's not just as straightforward as thinking, oh, they got a job, tie their bootstraps up, go do this in that company and it'll all work out or organisation, whatever the space is. There is always the risk as a black fella when you speak out in particular organisations, there also might be the risk of a, your paycheck or your job, or if you start to ruffle too many feathers, you become difficult. And let me tell you, many black women know about that. Well, let's let's flip it on its head then, okay? There would be plenty of people that are just asked to do this stuff, this cultural loading we're talking about, you know, in Reconciliation Week, Nate at Week, and they probably don't feel as though they have the power mm. to maybe go, oh, no, I don't really want to do it that way, or what if we do it that way? Say you're listening right now, and you might be a non-Indigenous employee in a business, or you might be the owner slash manager of a big business, of a small business, and you want to do things in your workplace for NAIDOC week, but you want to do it so it's not insensitive. What's What would you say to those people? Best I would, practice. I would, look, I'm not an expert on best practice in organisations, but I think that there are different layers to this conversation. Mm. You might make your workplace better and safer for a First Nations person if you're providing cultural leave or additional leave for sorry business when we lose a family member or someone within our kinship. And kinship doesn't just mean people. It can mean places and loss of land or sacred sites, things like that. So you could provide within your organisation additional leave for when we do go into sorry business. Mm -hmm. Like our caring responsibilities are very different. We have extended family needs and that will be called upon us at different times. If you're reflecting on that within your organisation and consulting with First Nations employees, what the company does can look different. It's probably just as simple as having that conversation with your First Nations employees in regards to that or, you know, your NAIDOC weeks and asking them how would you like to do it? And I think there are other things that are missing. There needs to be mechanisms within that employee handbook or structure on how to, how do you step through that process and speak to your manager and have those conversations. What if it is your manager? Mm. Where else do you go? There are lots of different things that we need to talk about and it all, it'll all depend on the context. Language obviously matters as well. And we like to wrap up every episode with a First Nations word because many Australians don't hear these words, would never be exposed to these words. So we think it's important to get them out there. What's this week? 
coming off the back of Artie Mealy's yarn and what we're feeling and hopefully envisioning for our future, it's the word makarada. Yep. That is a Yongul word that was gifted to the current movement and it means the coming together after a struggle. And maybe if we all had that active participation towards makarada for peace within our workspaces, within our everyday lives, then that's a real important principle to strive for. And there is a perfect opportunity for this later on this year when this country heads to a ballot box to vote in a referendum that will enshrine a First Nations voice in our constitution. Don't forget, there are heaps more episodes of Black Matters for you to check out as well. Why we do acknowledgements of country, for example, like we do at the beginning of this podcast, the history of treaty and the voice, and why we should be considering reckoning, perhaps instead of reconciliation. There's a big back catalogue for you to listen to. Teela, as always, it has been a pleasure. Yalu. Yeah,